0: Song, Lord God, just reminds us of what it is to trust You, to step beyond our comfort zone, to step into a place where it is unknown. My heart tonight, Lord God, my prayer to You would be that we would all be vulnerable before You. Not just in song, not just in worship, but in every day, in every moment of this night and beyond we will be open and vulnerable before you. Let there not be any walls between us. Let our relationship, that which is based on Christ, be open and free. Let it be a place, Lord, where there is no secrets. So, Lord, we expose ourselves to you. Say, Lord, use your word tonight. Like the fine surgeon that you are, the skilled gardener that you are, and just prune those things off our life. And I honor and glorify you. So, Holy Spirit, have your way here. In the mighty name. So it's cool well, welcome everybody it's good to be here i might have said i wanted to go home but it's not the truth <laughs> it's always good to come and be together in the presence of the lord amen to sing and to worship and encourage one another so it's good good that you're all here if i'm a bit loud just turn me down a little bit that'll be cool um thanks man I've got the boom box I'll talk softer. Okay, I can hear you, see, still. You're three rows back. Um, I'm going to ask James if he can go around and collect the offering of those that might have not had the chance this morning. At the same time, I'm going to invite Thomas to put up the uh, little clip that I got there. I've got a bit of a skit for us to watch. Um, And then uh, I'll get into the Word. So as Tommy gets that ready, James will go around and just take up the offering. And... uh, We'll get cruising. Sounds good to me.
1: You've heard the saying, He's carrying a lot of baggage from his past, or avoid her
2: baggage.
1: But think about it. I mean, baggage, it's, we get it from other people, the things that they do to us or say to us. And if we carry those memories around, in essence, we carry baggage. We begin collecting baggage when we're just little kids.
2: There you are. Hey, hey. 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 Hi. Hey. Hey, I need to talk to you. Yeah, what? Well, um, we were talking about building the, the treehouse. Yeah. yeah, I, I love treehouses. Yeah, it's just a thing. Um, see, you can't help us build the treehouse. Why? Well, you don't really want me to tell you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, we were talking, uh-huh. um, um, the gang, we were talking, and, yeah. um, well, you're too fat. What? You'll weigh down the treehouse. I'm not fat. Yes. No, no, yes. I'm
1: not. No, no. Uh, mommy just says I'm big bone.
2: Dinosaurs are big boned, you're fat.
1: No, 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 mommy says I'm chunky.
2: (laughs) Peanut butter's chunky, you're fat.
1: No, 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 no. mommy says I've lost weight.
2: I think you found it. No, 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 mommy says I'm just different. (laughs) Your mommy says you're just different?
1: Yeah, I'm just different. Mm
2: -hmm. Go back to where you came from, I gotta go, bye.
1: Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's one of the biggest lies we teach children. Words hurt, they cut deep. And if we carry around the words of other people, essentially what we do is we're collecting baggage. See, we can't, we can't find our self-worth based on what other people think of us. We have to find our self-worth based on Christ and our relationship with Him. But it doesn't seem to be that easy. And as life goes on and we get older, we just tend to collect more baggage. Sometimes we pick up baggage from people who are very close to us, like a best friend.
2: No, I, I know. I know, Shelly. I know. It's like we talked for three hours and it seemed like five minutes. I know, I know, I know. It's like we have this amazing connection, this chemistry. Okay, I'm just going to say this, Shelly. I've never said this to anyone in a really long time. Um, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're my density. I really, really do. Uh, no, uh, you're right. You're my, you're my destiny. That's what I meant. You're my destiny, right. I'm just so awful. <laughs> hey, he's right here. I gotta go. Okay, bye. Hey, buddy, what's up? How much? Who are you talking to? Um, um, talking to my mom.
1: Your mom's your destiny?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she gave birth to me and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kudos.
1: Really? Yeah. Because it sounds like you said Shelly.
2: Yeah, um, that's her, that's her name.
1: I thought your mom's name was Kelly.
2: That's her middle name.
1: Your mom's name's Kelly Shelley.
2: Yeah, yeah, and she was picked on a lot when she was a kid. So I just really try to encourage her all the time and tell her that I love her. What's wrong with that? Okay, I mean, that's okay, a great thing well, to whatever,
1: do. whatever. Did you talk to my Shelley?
2: Yeah, I did. Um, and she's not. She's not going to be your Shelley. What? Look, we just started talking. And we just we just kind of hit it off. and It just happened. I mean, what? we had this great. Chemistry, it just
1: no 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 no
2: no you were supposed to call her for me. I did. I started out doing that. I did, you don't no, believe me. You're supposed to be my best friend. I, I am. Don't don't let a girl come between us, okay? This is I not a big be- you did this. Look, man, you know I've liked her since we were in kindergarten, and you were supposed to talk to her for me. Yes, but but I've been your best friend since kindergarten, and we've always said growing up, best friends forever, right?
1: Yeah, well you know what? Forever just got a lot shorter.
2: Don't do this, don't do this. It's a you car- did this.
1: You're supposed to be my best friend. And our friends, they're just trying to get through life the same way we are. And sometimes they're going to make poor choices and we can either learn to forgive them or we can pick up more baggage. You know, the truth about baggage is we don't need other people to load it on us. We do a pretty good job of dumping baggage on ourselves when we compare ourselves to others. We think things like, "Oh, if I could be as popular as they are, if I could be as gifted and talented as they are, but I'm not, I'm a loser, I'm no good. And when we think that, we pick up more baggage. Or we find ourselves thinking, "They have it made. And why is life so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm never going to make it. And when we buy into that lie, more baggage. And sometimes, sometimes we pick up baggage from people who love us dearly. They just don't realize that their words cut like a knife. Son. Hey, Dad.
2: What happened out there?
1: Uh, um, the ball slipped, the, the lights got in my eyes, it was...
2: The lights got in your eyes? Yeah. You know that's what cost us the game, don't you? Yeah. The ball slipped. How many times have I gotten up in the morning before 5 a.m. before I go to work to work on the stuff with you? Huh? There were scouts out there. You realize that? Dad, the ball slipped. The ball slipped. It did. I mean... What What do you hey, want Hey, coach! To... Huh? No. Butterfingers, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna work with them. Uh huh. All right. See you later. Are you crying? No. Well, don't. Pull it together. People are watching. I want you to grab your stuff. I'm gonna go to the car and I'll meet you there, all right? Dad, I'm just disappointed in you, all right? These were our dreams, right? Grab your stuff.
1: And our parents, they don't mean to hurt us. It's just, they've got their own baggage. And when you don't deal with baggage, you pass it on. And for us, we have to learn to find our self-worth only in our relationship with Christ. And if we don't, we pick up more baggage. It gets uncomfortable, tedious, and our natural tendency is to want to dump this baggage onto someone else, but it always backfires.
2: Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you doing in my room? I just need to ask you a question. What? Can can you give me and my friends a ride to school? It's cold and I don't want to ride my bike. (laughs) What? Are you really asking that? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Just give me a ride and some of my friends' school.
1: You need to understand something. Just because you and your loser friends are in high school now doesn't mean I'm going to give you a ride, okay? Because look at me. You need to understand that when people look at you, they see a freak, all right? And if they know that I'm related to you, if they know we're brothers, they're going to think I'm a freak too, okay? And I'm not okay with that. So here's the deal. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, but I'm not going to be a chauffeur for you and your loser friends, Okay.
2: It's not my fault that dad left. Why do you keep taking out on me? Whatever. No, you know I'm right. Okay. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're only sorry that I'm calling you out. I'll Just ride my bike. I said I was sorry. I'll ride my bike. Come on.
1: And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. <laughs> and then there's that one, my sin, my secret sin. <sighs> it's, um, it's cool, I mean, uh, I've got it under control. Who am I kidding? Most of the time it has control of me. And this is the way I live. And yet, I hear the words of Christ who says, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but this doesn't really feel like abundant life to me. I I I can't walk straight. I I can barely keep my balance. And then, and then I remember his words. Christ also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what I want, that's what I want. So I go to God. God, please, if you're willing, would you take this baggage from me? Because, God, I'm miserable, and I can't live this way anymore. Please take it.
0: Did eh? Were you going to use that one? Oh, sorry. He is good. He is good. Um, a little bit what I'm going to talk about tonight, not necessarily baggage, but uh, the topic that we're looking at is seen as baggage. And uh, my prayer is that um, not only do uh, you guys hear the word, but together we can uh, find some sort of peace in Christ, just as, what's his name? Anyone know his name? The skit guy, Dave. The skit guy has. So I was going to share tonight a little bit about the new life, uh, who we are in Christ. Um, And I started to prepare during the week. That's really annoying. Is that the battery? Okay. Um, Just began to think uh, during the week and put some things together and... uh, I don't know, you, you ever, who's ever tried to work on a project or something and remembers school and you start putting it together and you're kind of not feeling it? You're not feeling like you're winning? You're feeling like it's where you're supposed to go? I'm not the only one there, am I? I don't think so. So uh, all those notes are sitting there on my desk. And anyway, I, I still had no message until this afternoon. Um, new life it just didn't seem to be hitting it. But for me, during the week, um, a real interesting word came to the fore. And uh, this word was rejection. Um, Many of us would have been exposed to some form of rejection, some form of uh, not making the team, not making the cut, not making the treehouse team. For example, in the skit, um, that you were too fat, or you were too short, or you were too tall, or uh, you. I'm not picking on anyone here, guys, but you had red hair. Um, I've got a red beard, so I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> no, I'm not, but I went to school one day too, you know, so I understand that. If you think about it, um, there's some form of rejection that some of us have been through, or well, most of us would have been through sometime in life. Why? Because humanity's um, lost and fallen. Um, they found, find themselves packed in this place called sin, um, and really... Um, like was in the skit when we're carrying baggage when we're carrying hurt uh, we try to offload that by putting it onto other people Um, we might be bullied in our life and when you're being bullied uh, really uh, it's the bully that's probably carrying more baggage than you or more problems than you Um, heard it once said that hurt people hurt people is that right? so when you're hurt you tend to hurt more and more others uh, through your life but When you understand a little bit about rejection, uh, you understand a little bit about um, Jesus and the rejection that he went through, you can discover that there's keys um, that will help you to not only um, deal with the rejection that you're going through as you go through it in your life. You might miss out on a job. uh, You might not make the grade in the footy team. Um, Your mum or your dad might leave or you might have gone through a marriage breakup of some sort, um, which ultimately speaks to the child that I wasn't good enough, Uh, mum left or dad left, and therefore they've rejected me. There's all different depths of this rejection. And uh, when you realize some keys that the word gives us, um, not only will help you navigate it, but it'll also help you find freedom in the midst of this area. So tonight... um, I. Usually, when you share a message, um, you're often speaking about yourself a lot. You're often speaking about your own um, life, and tonight I just share a little bit about my last month or so, nothing too in-depth, but just to let you know that we don't all have it together. We don't have it all in place. We don't all have it uh, 100% right, and just because someone's a minister or something like that, they're, definitely, they're usually the ones that need the most help, trust me. Um, so for me, um, the last month or so, maybe the last three weeks more so, but before that, um, I, I just share personally, and then I'll move on to, to what's going on. I've sort of been in a bit of a fog. If I said to you that I was in a fog, or someone came to you that they were in a fog, uh, usually that would mean that they were feeling a little bit low. A bit of low mood. They can't see uh, in front of them. The clouds seem really heavy. And for me, I, was, I can explain that I've been in a bit of a fog. It's sort of, it's almost like you're only putting one foot in front of the other and you can't see the horizon in front of you. And that's okay because in the middle of that, God's with you, isn't He? Yeah? The Bible tells us that God will never leave you nor forsake you, He is there. It's also some of the places that you'll find that, you're, that He is the most gracious. Um, You might make a mistake or you might say something and in the middle of that you're able to not only find forgiveness through him but you're able to make amends with each other. Um, In the middle of a fog, when someone's in that, it doesn't mean that God's left them. Yet the cloud sometimes seems thick, sometimes seems uh, really heavy and really dark. Low mood is often difficult to live with, yet nowhere as hard as clinical depression if you know someone that's in clinical depression you can understand that the majority of their life um, is in this cloud that's described as the black dog chasing them and things like that they become really low Uh, but our emotions they're real aren't they it's good to be open and honest with one another for a while i've asked god why i think that's the wrong question why am I in a fog is the wrong question. Why am I at the top of the mountain when I'm full of joy is also, I think, the wrong question. Um, Paul often asked, well, or he asked this, this, this question, but it was more of a, God, would you take this from me? And uh, he was referring to a thorn in his flesh. And sometimes those of us that are going through emotional difficulties uh, can, can relate. I'm sure most of you guys can relate. Sometimes it feels like a little bit of a thorn in the side um, it, it's that moment that it keeps you humble. It keeps you drawing back to God. Um, I suppose without it, you sometimes might get a little bit lofty and and um, a bit ahead of yourself. Uh, but God gave Paul this answer when he said, will you take this from me? He said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, that says a lot of things. It's, it's not the very fact that, His mercy is enough. It's also the fact that His enabling presence is sufficient. The Holy Spirit with us is sufficient for us to walk through any trouble, any trial that we're going through. Is that right? You guys are quiet tonight. Come on. That's better. (laughs) But, you know, I don't think God wants us to be stuck in these kinds of times, doesn't He? Um, You can describe these sorts of times, and I'm sure... Like I said, most of us have been somewhere in this state. You can kind of describe it like an emotional prison, something that you can't get out of yourself. You feel trapped, and it feels dark and damp, and, and, and you don't have the energy to overcome. God doesn't want us to be stuck in an emotional prison when he paid an, the highest price for us to be released from that. Does that make sense? I'll say it again. God doesn't want us to be stuck in that place when he paid an almighty price to free us from this. It's only this week that I've gotten a little bit of an answer to why. I'm being real, I'm being open, I'm being honest. Uh, this is something I need to process deeper. But others here tonight may have the same things in their lives. I always put this down. What I'm walking through, this fog, this 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 lack of clarity, this not understanding. I've, I've often put it down to a fear of man, like I'm fearing man more than I'm fearing God. Does that make sense? So for me, going to school, um, I couldn't stand up in front of my English class and give a, a speech or a, um, or a lecture on any of my um, assignments that I had to do. Um, that, that's, that was a difficult thing for me, to stand in front of people and to speak. Um, So for me, I always put that down. Well, it was just because I feared the audience. I I feared the man. I feared the woman that was in the room. Um, Or as I grew in my journey with God, um, I I couldn't raise my hands in worship because maybe the people behind me couldn't see or maybe they were going to judge me for something. And therefore, I feared them instead of saying, well, I'm just going to be open to you, God, and open my hands up and say whatever it be will be. I love the fact that we can dance in church and we can put banners around it. I love the fact that I can watch um, people that I honor really, really highly being, exp- um, being expressive in their worship. And for me, for a long time, and I'm sure some of you are the same, for a long time it was just like you were standing there and everything in you wanted to be expressive, but you're like, no, I can't do that. And uh, for me, I put that down to the fear of man. I don't think it's that simple. I, I, I've had prayer after prayer after prayer with people about um, overcoming this fear of man and then um, i progress on in my journey, my calling, and, and I find out, well, hang on a minute, I don't fear man. Yeah. Man, man can't do anything to me. What the, the worst someone can do to me is take my life. Wow, they send me to Jesus earlier than when I'm supposed to. Yes, you know, like seriously, but when you think about it really seriously like that, the worst they can do to me is take my life. But at the same time, that could be the very best thing they could do for me. So it wasn't a fear of man. And, and, and I've always toyed and played around with this. Am I the only one that's ever thought that way? No? You, you've often like, I'm scared of doing something, but it's not because you're fearful of man. You've always had that label over your life, oh, you're just scared of everybody. Well, it's not necessarily my story. So I wouldn't talk to others, Um, I wouldn't risk anything. It was interesting, I hated playing soccer, but I loved playing footy, right? So for me, it was because I couldn't play soccer, so I was ridiculed as the one that was fat and lazy and had no skill. The moment I transitioned over into rugby league, all of a sudden I had skill because I was fat and not necessarily lazy, but I was able to run the ball hard and hit people hard. Um, <laughs> sort of, at 16 maybe. But anyway, <clears throat> so you're playing through these things, but what I ultimately put it down to is this, it's, it's not that I'm fearful of man, what I'm fearful of is the rejection. And I don't know why that is. But I'm fearful that if I stood... This is how it was. If I stood up and, and made a fool of myself, it wasn't that I would be ridiculed and laughed at. It was that I would be rejected by them and no longer accepted in, in their circles. Does that make sense? Yeah? Or if I didn't work hard growing up to show my father that I could work extremely hard and that he taught me well, well, maybe he would reject me and that I... I wouldn't know where to go in my life. So it's, it's an unhealthy fear because it was a fear of, well, someone out there is going to reject me. And, and it's only a matter of time I'm going to find rejection after rejection. And I think I know where the, the, that came into my life. And I think I know, and I'm still processing this with God, and even tonight as I'm sharing it, it's coming more. But we've got to be free to talk about this. Is that right? We've got to be free and open to say what's going on in your life. So, That's sort of where I am. Um, The core of this is what if they don't like me? What if they don't accept me or love me? Yeah? What if I fail? What if I fail? I think many a person hasn't stepped into their destiny because of the fear of stepping beyond the unknown. We sung about, they sung that song Oceans Tonight, yeah? And Peter had to step out of the boat into the unknown to go to Jesus to walk on water. So the basis of our overcoming this fear, this rejection in our life, this, well, it doesn't matter what it is, the, the base of overcoming any fear is to put our trust into Jesus and to step beyond into the place that we cannot see. And risk is also is a very hard place to be when you fear this area of rejection. What if I do this? How will they respond? Yeah? Well, what if I prepare a really dud message and there's a 100 people here and each and every one of them walk out and say that was a dud message? But That's real, isn't it, for me? For you guys, this might be a bit different. What if you got 20% as a mark in your high school major for uh, one of your favorite subjects? What if in your workplace you just tripped over, dropped the most expensive thing in your workplace, and you had egg on your face. Yeah? The, the, the ultimate there would be you've been fired, and there's this real slap in your face that you have been rejected, and it was a simple mistake. So you start to think through those processes. Things being said about you. Um, so this last month, I've, I've found out A number of things were said about me and four or five years ago if I'd heard those things I would have been extremely um, probably angry. I would have been really deeply hurt and um, instead of confronting people I would have run away and no one would have seen me again because of this rejection thing. Yeah, So you can always gauge your journey by how you respond to things but it doesn't Say with rejection, right? You've got this baggage. Uh, and I, the, the reason I showed that video is because you can get in your head that you've got this thing on your, your shoulders, this bag on your shoulders, and it might be called rejection, right? So you've got this rejection on your shoulders, and all of a sudden um, you hear things being said about you, and because of the rejection, you actually take notice of it. So you listen. And it might be something said about you behind your back, but you still listen to you, to it. Now, depending on where you are in your walk with Christ and your maturity, you might be able to just continue to walk. But if you're carrying rejection, then there's something in your life that's holding up your maturity. You actually got to release that and get rid of that. So for me, the check for me was I actually stopped and let that affect me deeper than I actually thought that it would have. And, and that's like, well, hang on, there's a check there. Holy Spirit, what is it? In this case, what is it? And it's only in this last few days that he said, well, basically, Steve, it's rejection. You're fearful of something. You're, and this is what it is, it's rejection. Does that make sense? like If you're carrying it, it affects you. For me, because someone was talking about me, because I was, I'm carrying some form of rejection that I need to let go and give to God, I stopped and I noticed it and I said, Okay, what's being said about me, I need to defend myself. Right? But it's not spiritual to defend yourself, is it? <laughs> you know? So you're playing this dual battle a bit. But really, what it is, Holy Spirit, is using that moment to test you so that you can deal with the things in your life and deal with the emotional baggage that you're carrying. So if I ask this question, have you ever felt the pang of rejection? Would I get a unanimous yes there? Or only some of us would have felt that, yeah? All right, so all of us can say that we felt the pang of uh, rejection in some form. Rejection is that emotion of being unwanted, excluded, or unloved. You often want to be loved, yet for some reason you are not. Every person needs to know they are loved, valuable, and accepted. Is that true? The, pr- the problem is, for someone who is trapped in a prison-like rejection, your core belief, the default of your emotion, is that you are unlovely, unwanted, and undesired. Right? That's your core belief. That's what the baggage on you does. It, it's like this: the moment someone says something nice about you, because you're carrying this core belief that says, I'm not that person, you reject that straight away yourself. So... And for me, if you know me pretty well, I'm pretty good at doing that. Someone says something nice to me, I'm just like, bam. No. Or I reflect it to Jesus, right? Maybe that's a bit of religiosity in me. I need to deal with that, right? So you've got to realize that as you're carrying this baggage of rejection, you're going to reject the compliment about you. It can't be me, it must be Jesus, right? So you, you kind of reflect that way. Um, It's basically a root in your life. Um, We can't see it. That's why it needs to be rooted out of our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 3.10, Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. All right? Um, In your life, you might have this sort of thing growing, and, and Jesus is wanting to put the axe to it and cut it out of your life and get rid of it from you. But sometimes that baggage feels pretty good. It's kind of got that nice comfortable spot now. It's not feeling too heavy. You seem to be able to handle that. Rejection or the fear of rejection is not to be tolerated in our lives. Jesus wants to and has paid the price for your freedom from this prison cell. Amen? 1 John 4.19, the basis of where I can say this is this one point. We love because He first loved us. This is the basis for our freedom. Right? We've been empowered to love others because God first loves us. And that very statement it is a powerful, profound statement. But the one thing that will help you overcome your emotional baggage is the very fact that God loves you. Anywhere you look, you can find in the Bible, you just have to do a bit of a word search on the word love. And you will usually find god's love toward you and it's profound the power that that has to help to set you free self-pity despair and hopelessness Uh, even suicide stem from this root called rejection yeah so many many people when you start to look around our world you start to see that they're covered in self-pity despair hopelessness um, and and they get to the point that they're even becoming suicidal because of this, this this, baggage you're carrying around called rejection. Yeah? What tends to happen in some places is that we feel like we're so caught up in the baggage that it's just easier. Instead, if we're going to be rejected, then we might as well just mock other people so that they might as well be in the club as well. And then they can feel rejected as well. And we heap it on each other and not really cool. So I'm reading this book. Um, and I just wanted to read a little bit of, to you tonight, just in this area of defining rejection um, it's quite interesting that this is what I read two days ago uh, which kind of helped bring a little bit of a light on it now I've helped people through rejection countless times doesn't necessarily mean that you can see it in your own life so which is often why we put into a body because iron sharpens iron we actually need to be together to help one another grow in our walk and relationship with Jesus it says this, People respond to rejection in different ways. Some people go into a tunnel of self-pity, despair and hopelessness. Some people even commit suicide, which is the ultimate statement of feeling rejected and unwanted. Life is no longer worth living anymore. Other people respond to rejection by putting up walls of defense. It may even be a facade of happiness or confidence on the outside, but inside they feel hurt and rejected. They do not want to be rejected again, so they are not going to let you in or see what is happening on the inside. Other people respond to rejection by becoming aggressive. They go on the offensive and they become angry and resentful. These types of people tend to hurt others. We all respond differently, but the end result of all rejection is that we can end up in a prison that holds us back from the life that God has for us. So like I said, Hurt people hurt people. And in the fog, you might be in that fog and you might be thinking, wow, I'm having a really tough week and I just can't see an end to this. I can't see a light to the end of this tunnel. It's really dark. It's really hard in here. And all of a sudden we make a mistake. We yell at our brother or we yell at our sister or we yell at our wife or our husband. We yell at our girlfriend. We yell at someone, our mom or our dad. We react and they're just the symptoms of this root that's coming. See, we've got to dig deeper, yeah? I think we wanted to help you get to that point. So I want to talk really quickly five things that would break us free from rejection. And then we might end up with some prayer tonight, yeah? Would that be pretty cool? Um, corporately, we might be able to pray through something here and maybe God would just set us free. That's, that's my, my prayer tonight. is If we're battling with this area... And I think many of us are, and we just don't know it. We need to be set free from that. So firstly, we've got to understand, open your Bibles to Isaiah 53. It's always good to open your Bible, yeah? Isaiah 53. It's a good passage of Scripture, verse 3. First of all, we've got to understand that Jesus took on our rejection. All right? Isaiah 53, verse 3. It says this. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Yeah? So this is a prophecy. This is a word given many years before Jesus came. But it speaks of Jesus taking upon himself this area of rejection. He was despised and rejected by men. So you know you're in a pretty decent club when you're in the same club as Jesus. If Jesus was good enough to be rejected, then, you know, we've been rejected as well, right? But that's not the place we need to stay because Jesus didn't stay in his rejection, did he? He had to come to a place where he was embraced by all, right? So Jesus was despised and he was rejected. Matthew 27 a little bit of flicking around. Matthew 27 and verse 22. Pilate said to him, them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us. And on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when they had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. There's that ultimate rejection right there. Jesus wasn't rejected by one man in Pilate. Jesus was rejected by an entire nation, by an entire city, thousands of people crying out, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" They wanted him dead. It was only a number of days before that. They were praising him, singing hallelujah to God, because here comes the king on a donkey. And now an entire city has rejected their king. Yeah, so I think Jesus understands rejection a little bit more than we give him a bit of credit for. Yeah, so Jesus took our rejection. Matthew 27, same chapter, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This takes it to the next level. If you didn't think Jesus understood rejection before the thousands of people rejected him, then look at this one. Rejected by his father on the cross. What happens on the cross? Jesus is hanging on the cross. And in an instant, in a moment, just before he dies, the entire weight of sin was put upon his shoulders. As the sacrificial lamb of God for a nation, that lamb that was given to God, when they sacrificed it, the weight of the sin of the nation was put upon that lamb to find healing and forgiveness for that nation. In the case of Jesus being the sacrificial lamb of God for the entire human race, that's a lot of sin. That's a lot of a price to pay with his own self. And the entirety of sin, everything that I have done, everything that you have done, and then multiply that by the billions of people that have walked this earth. But even more than that, the very weight of the original sin, which was Adam and Eve's, which took us into this place called sin was placed upon Him. And who knows, God cannot be in the presence of sin. So God turns His back upon His Son. And the fullness of the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus on that cross. He died in the place of you and I. It wasn't good enough that Peter rejected Him. They had that story, Peter... By the time the rooster crows twice, you have rejected me three times, or then an entire city, and now his Father, God, rejects him at the cross because of sin. Wasn't he, he wasn't rejecting Jesus, but he couldn't look upon him because of the sin upon him. Why have you forsaken me? In his deepest of despair, the only sure thing in his life was his God, was, was, was the God the Father. And he was forsaken at that moment. So you talk about rejection. We've got to talk about the fact that Jesus is the only one that can ever understand any weight or any form of rejection. Okay? Nothing's too deep for Jesus because he's been there and experienced it all. Does that make sense? So that's our first one. Jesus took our rejection. You've got to believe that. You've got to understand that. You've got to hang on to that. Jesus, if you were rejected, then you understand how I feel. Then we've got to receive God's acceptance. The moment Jesus gave up his life, there was a massive curtain. It was about nine inches, so 236 millimeters. There you go. Still got it. 236 millimeters thick. This curtain was in the temple. This curtain separated the most holy place from the holy of holies, or the holy place from the most holy place. This curtain separated man from God. Right? This curtain separated man from God. He ripped it. God tore it from the top to the bottom, separate, separating it, opening it up, this place that man and God can come and dwell together. God accepts you. There's a picture is an image of God accepting you in His Son, Jesus. There is no longer a divide. We come to God through Jesus. That veil was torn. There's nothing separating us from God. 1 John 3 says this in verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know this, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So in rejecting Jesus, God now accepts us. It wasn't that he rejected the fullness of Jesus. He rejected the fullness of sin. If that's dealt with, if that's paid, and now sin is no longer a problem, then the door is open for us to walk through, to have relationship with God. He accepts you. In John's gospel, Jesus has declared the, the door, that no one comes. We heard that this morning if you're here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Is Jesus saying, I am the way. He says that He is the door. He says that we have to enter by Him. And it's in that that we receive God's acceptance. It's not based on our works, it's based on everything that He has done for us. God's love is not based on performance, but it's based on the very fact that when you come to Him through Jesus, you are called a child of God. And He accepts you. Thirdly, we need to engage with our spiritual family. God's family is supposed to be the best family. I'll let that sink in for a moment. God's family is supposed to be the best family, a place where everyone is accepted. If we struggle with accepting the the most damaged person in the world, then we're not truly representing God if god would accept me for the mistakes that i've had for even carrying this baggage on my lo- on my life called rejection if he still accepts me in jesus then why couldn't he why couldn't he accept those who are lost in the deepest darkest sins the truth is he does he does accept them when they come to forgiveness through christ so engaging in your spiritual family the best family that there is Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another. It doesn't matter if, if you're a born-again believer, if you're a child of the Most High God and you smell, your brothers and sisters have to accept that. Now, there's wisdom in that. and We can go and we can talk to one another and we can explain that you might need a shower in love, right? There is that sort of thing. But if someone rocked up and they stank, someone I read somewhere once, it was a really interesting point. If homelessness offends you, go and sit with a homeless person until their smell is all over you. Hug them, embrace them until all of their smell is over you. And it kind of puts this in your face that that's how we were to God. we stunk. Sin caused us to stink, but he loved us so much that he would put his son on this earth to die in our place. And when we get a hold of that, there is no fear that God will ever reject us. That even in the depth of my stink and stench, God accepts me then that needs to challenge the very core of our heart that if God can accept me in the depravity of my stink and stench, then can't I do that for another person? So enjoy or engage this whole area with your spiritual family. Jesus accepts you unconditionally. Right? Christ accepted us unconditionally, and we need to do this too. Acceptance does not mean you approve of error, by the way. Just because you accept somebody doesn't mean that you approve of the way they live. First and foremost, we accept them as who they are. They're a child of the living God. The best story you can ever find that, and we're not going to go there, is Luke 19, is the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus accepted Zacchaeus even though he was a dirty, rotten tax collector. To the point where he says, I'm coming to your house to eat. He made sure he picked the lowest of the low to go and eat with them. Of his time. And that challenges us. That's how we need to be. If we're going to overcome rejection in our life, we need to turn to a family, to a body that's going to accept us no matter what. If I fail, I need to know that this is a safe place to be loved a place where i need to be and you need the exact same thing That as you fail and we all do you need to be in a place where you are accepted first and foremost as a child of god and loved through that fourthly accept yourself it's a big one it's pretty hard to accept yourself isn't it when you reflect interestingly when you reflect through this it's pretty hard to accept yourself If you've got rejection in your life, because the words that have been heaped on you your entire life, whether they be from someone else or internally, maybe I can't do that because I've put a wall up because I need to protect myself. It's really hard to accept yourself when you've got those walls holding you in a prison, this captivity. Ephesians two eight to ten says, "Or by grace you have been saved through faith." One of my favourite passages, of scriptures. Says, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If God can accept you, then you can accept you. If God can call you a work, a masterpiece, even though you may still be a work in progress and he accepts you even though you are a work in progress as a masterpiece then surely you can accept you i read another quote this week and i think this one's going to stay with me for a little while Um, chris valerton he likes him he's pretty cool yeah he said what if accountability was accounting for your ability not your disability That go over your head. If God, if you're a masterpiece in the eyes of God, even though you're not yet complete, you're still in work. He's still got the chisel in hand, and he's still chipping away bits and pieces of that rock to to form you into this amazing masterpiece. Our job is not to hold people accountable to their disability. Oh, oh, I sinned. Well, I'm going to keep that person accountable. Because they don't they need to not sin. No. If we hold people accountable to their ability, then that's really being prophetic over their life. Putting into their life how God sees them and calling out victory and and, and freedom in their life. Accountability is not about accounting for someone's disability. Make sense? You can sit with that one for a bit. Lastly, so if we're accepting ourselves, keep forgiving, a forgiving stance toward others. We're going to get it wrong, guys. I'm going to have teaching in my life that says I'm going to need to keep you accountable to the wrong things that you do. Use that as an example because I just threw that one out there. I'm going to say something that might offend you. We need to keep a short account. Because if we don't, rejection still has a place in our life. If we, can, if we can forgive one person because they said something bad about us, then you know you're starting to get victory in those areas. Keep a forgiving stance toward others, toward those who hurt you. Luke 23, 34 says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who is he saying that about? Jesus was saying that about the people that nailed him to the cross. About those who had flogged him, had whipped him, had beat him, had spat upon him, had cried out, crucify him. Those who put him on the cross, Jesus keeps a short account and says, Father, forgive them. Therefore he holds nothing against them. See? And he was the most rejected person to walk the earth. Ephesians 4:31. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So we got five real quick points. Jesus took our rejection. Receive God's acceptance, engage with your spiritual family, accept yourself as God has created you, and keep forgiving stance before others. Now that sounds like a lot, but it's quite simple. It was put quite simply, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you, to not harm you. It was put that simply that here we are carrying around this baggage. And in my case, it may be rejection. In your case, it may be anything else. You may have grief in your life. You may have some sort of hurt in your life that, that doesn't come from rejection but comes from some other area of bitterness in your life. You might just have unforgiveness in your life because someone's offended you and hurt you and you don't want to let that go. You see, they're burdens that are not meant for you to carry. God never intended for us to be hurt by other people. He never intended for us to be hurt but the reality is we live in a hurt broken world and as Christians sometimes we need to be honest and open before God and just say God I've picked up something along the way that I don't want you freed me from a prison cell you set me free from sin and tonight I want to be set free from rejection God would you take this from me why? Because his burdens are light. Is that what the Word tells us? So, first and foremost, I'm not going to ask for a response. I'm just going to pray with us. So, if you'd like to close your eyes, I'm going to read this prayer out, out of this book for us. Um, I invite you to close your eyes. And just, if this makes any sense to you, what I'm sharing tonight, if you're at all feeling like you're in a bit of a haze or not sure how to move forward, not sure what to do. You might have some area of rejection in your life, anything like that. Then I want you to follow the prayer after me. I'll read it so that you can repeat it, so that you can make it your own, so that God and you can do some business tonight. we we'll do it corporately and then I'll get um, the guys up from the band And uh, maybe they'll sing Oceans for us again. And if you want prayer, then we'll just open it up. And I can pray personally with you, and some of the others might want to pray with you as well. We'll just make it open before God, yeah? Because I think he wants to do something with your heart tonight. So if you want to repeat after me, that's up to you. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die for my sin and my feelings of rejection. I thank you for accepting me just as you accept your son. May your amazing love be the foundation of my life. I choose to accept myself and those around me. I choose now to forgive those who have hurt and wounded me. I let go of all bitterness, resentment, and hatred. Help me to love others just as you loved me. Thank you for setting me free from rejection. Right now, in Jesus' name, amen. I'll just read this other prayer over us. Father, you heard those words today. Those words have been spoken and there is power in them. I pray that you will set us free from rejection. May our lives be founded in your immeasurable love so that we may become people who know they are loved and accepted by the Heavenly Father. Help us not to spread rejection or resentment or hurt to other people. May we spread the love and the acceptance that you have given to us to other people beginning today. For those who are like my Father, and who have experienced rejection in their childhood. I pray that you would help them to start a new generation. May they be part of a generation of people who follow God and who are free from rejection, who pass on the blessing of acceptance, not the curse of rejection. Give us a fresh start today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, can I invite you to just come? We'll finish with one song, Oceans. And we'll just... If you guys need to go, that's okay. We can close the service off there. But if you want to stick around and you want to pray or you want to just have this moment of time just to continue to sing, that's all good as well. But I'm here to pray with you and there's other guys that can pray, girls that can pray with you. Maybe you can just do some business with God, yeah? God bless you all.